0: someone said to me have you got a book and I was like no they said oh you look like you should have a book and I was like okay is that a compliment I love that
1: <laughs> oh, I cool. mean wait till someone starts going to like, you look like a poet and it's like I don't mm. know if that's a threat or a <laughs> g- compliment or what Hello and welcome to the Process Podcast. Still not gonna have an intro. I'm determined to never have an actual scheduled <laughs> intro. That feels way too organized. But what I have organized is a guest for this. See, segues. All that stuff. Oh, kind of. Smooth. I am the smoothest host out there. And with that, my guest for today is M Hunter. Please welcome to the I think oh, this is where the host loses it now. Lost it there straight away. Ruined it. Welcome to the podcast. Anne. Thank
0: you. Thank you for having me.
1: How are you feeling today?
0: I'm feeling good
1: nice, nice Feeling
0: good It's nice outside Things are going well And yeah It's good to be
1: here Spend some time with you as well There you go See this is the whole thing Like, It's that mix of like Can I A Make content But B Also hang out with friends At the same time That is The challenge And the goal we've gone for Let's That is the it. vibe <laughs> Well yeah So the way I like to start These podcasts Is going over The first time I met people And I thankfully Think I've got an easy one with you Because mm. I think it must have Just been a process Yes it Unless there's something I've completely forgotten i'm gonna be really embarrassed by but yeah i believe it was a process charming wasn't it no it was process (laughs) so i guess for my own ego but just for context how Mm. did you first know about process
0: i i think i came across you on instagram um i was scrolling through i think maybe like with most most nights come up on my explore page or somebody else has shared it and i thought this looks good i i thought this is this is an event that knows that they look like they know what they're doing. <laughs> yes. Just look like. Now I know the reality of it. We don't. We're
1: winging it, flying by the seat of our pants.
0: No, but the optics were good and I was just like, and I saw, actually, I, I looked at, the the people that you were featuring and there was a broad representation there there was like diversity and for me going somewhere that i feel is going to be diverse is really important um so i came along i think the first time i came along with espars and meredith
1: yes yes yes
0: yeah so that was that was a while ago (laughs)
1: wasn't it (laughs) yes Oh, well, yeah. Thank you for being part of the Process family now and all that. Thank you for welcoming me into the Process Back. family. Well, now, as we go into all of this stuff, we need to start off with our timeline section mm. when we get to know a lot about you and your poetry. Yes. So for the timeline section, we are going to do it very Charles Charles Dickens style and the ghosts of Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future and all of that. So starting with your past and how did you get into kind of poetry and spoken word? Like what was your intro into all of it? Mm. I
0: I wrote poetry from quite a young age and I, I submitted a poem to... Blue Peter. Ooh. And I got a Blue Peter badge. Oh. I know, I've still got it. It's like one of my, <laughs> the best things I've ever won. Who needs award nights? Uh-huh. I've got a Blue Peter badge. Yes. Um, I got a Blue bl- a Blue Peter badge and then I was working in prisons for a while and sort of accidentally just fell into doing some, started off as a bit like rap and then spoken word stuff. And I was like, do you know what? I actually quite enjoy this so I got back into writing again and my partner encouraged me to start like an Instagram page which I did and I posted like the first poem that I'd ever properly written which was My Colony's Keeper and I released that on International Women's Day and it was like a sort of triggered a a conversation about like people that are childless by choice and it was just it was really empowering and I sort of built up a little bit of a following from there and then it was all just supposed to be online stuff I didn't really know about the poetry scene or or anything like that at that point and s bars came up on my instagram explore page and I followed them and they just dm'd me straight away and was like oh I'm performing tonight in Leightonstone, do you want to come and watch
1: that? I've been unheard poetry.
0: No, it was called.
1: <laughs> you on the spot now.
0: It was at the Birds Pub in Leightonstone. They, they, they've stopped doing the night uh, now, yeah. so it was a great night, though. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I went because I was only living in Walthamstow at the time, so. It was right around the corner and I was like, do you know what? Yeah, I'll go. I don't normally do this stuff, but let me just put myself out there. And I never intended to even perform. That was never going to be a thing for me. Um, So I went along and then Jake Nathan found me online (laughs) and was, you know, we call him the most supportive man on the (laughs) Internet. And... He was messaging me, DMing me and saying, you need to perform, like, you're great, all of this. And sort of between him and S-Bars and Meredith and that sort of crowd, I sort of had the confidence to to get on the mic. And that wasn't that long ago, <laughs> was it? That was, I don't know. Well, my first year in poetry was in March this year.
1: So, yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't long ago at all. No. Year and a half? There you go. And, like, it's a quick quick rise, and we love it there. And I guess this kind of segues into nicely, like, you're present in poetry, because, like, obviously you've got, after Mm. that quick rise, you've been on a lot of feature sets, a lot of open mics. You've even then gone and had the big queer poetry show and done so much. So, like, how would you describe where you are in poetry at the moment?
0: Where I never thought I would be. I didn't ever come into poetry, and I still don't really have sort of an idea of what I want to do with it. I've just sort of been going with the flow. I've had some really, really good opportunities come my way. I've taken a lot of them. Also haven't taken a lot mm. of them because they, well, time-wise yeah. is, is a huge factor. Um, some just aren't aligned to me. I'm not afraid to walk away from what's a good opportunity because it doesn't align to my personal values um and I've started to try and focus a little bit more on the stuff that's not open mic nights or the poetry scene because well a I think the poetry scene is a lot broader than a lot of people think it is you know they have their little subgroups of the scene don't they and they think that that's the be all and end all and then the but the be all and end all isn't poetry nights it's going to festivals it's performing in places that you wouldn't necessarily perform at so I think that's where my poetry is at the moment and that's where it's going is I still do the open mic feature sets but I like to do the festivals and the corporate stuff and the things that aren't necessarily the scene and that's what I've been doing a lot more of recently Deprived not long ago um and a few other different
1: corporate ones. So
0: yeah, have I answered the present and yeah, the future in one go?
1: Pretty much, Dan. I guess on that then, like I guess for you is that is it the idea of like nothing against performing to rooms full of poets? We obviously love that and that is a, the core of what we're doing. Absolutely. But almost the idea of like getting out of the room full of poets and going to other people. hundred
0: percent. Um, because I think it can become a bit of an echo chamber sometimes. Um and I think it depends what you're doing poetry for. So for me, it's always been to have uncomfortable conversations and to try and initiate a level of change. And you're
1: not going to do that if you're speaking to the same
0: people all the time.
1: Especially when the same people often, not always, but often think a like already kind of thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it it does become an echo chamber and poetry nights are always going to be my favourite thing because that's where everything started. I think... That's where everybody really hones their skill set. That's where I certainly did. But to be able to go out of that and to speak to non-poets, there's something really special in that, especially when you come away from a gig and somebody comes to speak to you and they say, I didn't even think I liked poetry until tonight because they had this perception that it was all page poetry and your Shakespeare's and everybody who's, who's wonderful, but they didn't know what it could be. And for me, that's really powerful.
1: Well, I guess to go on now more of an artistic question on your past, present and future. Like that's you as the almost poet there. What mm. about you as like, the writer? Like, is, what is your t- Are your topics changing much or evolving? Has that How has that gone I- from when you started to where you're going?
0: I think my topics are... They've always been queer-focused. I think everybody who's ever heard me do any, anything will know that. Um, I think they're becoming... I think they evolve as issues evolve and as things present themselves. Um, I, I was asked to write a piece on trans allyship for a for a recent campaign. I don't normally take commissions because I have to i have to really feel something before i write it but unfortunately the way the world is going now with everything that's happening with the lgbtq plus community and against us is that there's always new topics that come come about from that and it's a bit of a double-edged sword really because it's good to have that material to write about but also i write about stuff i don't want to have to write about um so I my writing will evolve as as issues affecting us evolve
1: and like with your writing and like obviously so much of it has been seeing what's come up as it's come along like for you do you see there being a world where there is a book of poetry coming out whether it's you doing one specifically as just Hunter's collection or doing something like here is the big queer poetry book kind of Mm. thing like is a book a thing or is it going to be like you've I can only mention like doing little albums etc so like
0: yeah mm. so we've we've spoken about doing a book actually it's something that art that Shaw and i have spoken about at length to have like a almost like an anthology of poems that have been performed at the big queer poetry show and i definitely think that's something that will come about in the future um because you know like every every year it's it's 14 queer poets right so that's instantly from from this show from last show that's 28 you know poets and who who might do two or three poems each so there's stuff to pack it out with and i think my experience is not i'm not the authority on on the queer experience so if there was going to be a book i think it would be good to have all of these diverse perspectives Because my experience as a gay woman is not the same as the next person's. Um, So yeah, I think it's in the future. Watch this space. Well, would you
1: personally want Hunter's Book of Poetry? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) No way. There is, I, I, what's a line
0: break? Like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know rules or forms or any of that stuff. And I don't think the way that, my style of poetry, I just Kayla will tell me otherwise. Mm. Kayla will say, "No, I could get your poems written like down on the page." Rucker,
1: editor, team, we of people can, work can it. Probably, Yeah,
0: and I probably could if I wanted to, but I also don't write at a rate that is. It would take me ages to write a book, and I just <laughs> can't be asked.
1: No, I, I know for me personally, like now got the two books so they definitely a part of who i am now but like even with the first book there was a level of burning eye came to me first i did not go to yeah. them per se and it was always that thing of like if you're gonna ask i'm not necessarily gonna say no but i wasn't seeking it out and i think mm. that's that was a nice place to be at and i think again obviously we see how the world goes see how many poems yeah. you write and that thing of like because also the thing as well I guess the question for you is also on that level of like if a lot of people keep asking is it more of, would it potentially be a thing where people want my stuff outside of these nights I want to give them something obviously it could be an album or something as you've mentioned kind of stuff yeah. beforehand so like would it be more people asking for stuff there I'm giving it to mm. them
0: and this is and this is the thing is that I do feel like i I've missed out a bit there mm. because I do
1: merchandising <laughs>
0: I, yeah i I mean i have I've done quite a few shows this year already um I think well, what month are we in
1: Filming this is August when this comes out, it will probably be September, but yes, okay,
0: so August, so I think I sat down and I counted yesterday like I've done something like eighteen shows this year already and they were all opportunities to be able to sell merch if i wanted yeah. to and people asked as well um, because people do like taking something tangible away from from events Audience is
1: like supporting you in some of course, way especially absolutely. with the stuff we're doing like level absolutely. of you're sharing this much and you've mm. you've you've made me feel something yeah. i want to support you more than just to Definitely. thank you
0: and i've always and i've always been like no where did i when i was at sunrose the other weekend <laughs> someone said to me have you got a book and i was like no they said oh you look like you should have a book. And I was like, okay, is that a compliment? I love
1: that. <laughs> oh, I cool. mean, wait till someone starts going to like, you look like a poet. And it's like, I don't mm. know if that's a threat or a <laughs> g- compliment or what, but. What? Yeah.
0: Um, but no, so that's why I've recorded this like spoken word album. Um, because it's just a collection of, of eight poems, sort of my, my ones that I would, you know, my capsule collection. <laughs> um, just to be able to give something, you know, something tangible to people when they leave, because I don't post full length videos on Instagram. I might post little clips, but there's a lot of people that you know follow me that do it because they've seen me from the beginning and just want to support me, but they've never actually seen me perform live because they live, you know, miles away. So to be able to have something where they can see like a, hear a full poem of mine, I thought that was really important. So that's why I've done that. Um, and that's probably the way that I would go. If somebody asked me about a book, I'd say no.
1: Well, I guess my last one for you on this is obviously because you mentioned like starting off on Instagram and performing not being a th- the initial thing of it all. Obviously nowadays you definitely perform quite a lot and therefore I'm assuming a lot of your poems are written to be performed in some way you obviously had a lot of poems like because i remember there was like the instagram poem i think you posted about like traveling etc as a queer person and Mm -hmm. like that got a lot of shares and likes. So like do you have like poems that this isn't all like ideas poems where this will be a nice short thing but isn't a performance thing yes a hundred percent
0: i have there'll be bits and there'll be bits that i intended to probably turn into a full poem like a full performance poem But I write sort of write it in my notes and I'm like, actually, that's quite powerful as four lines. Mm. Let's just keep it as that. I don't need to trouble that anymore. But it could be that one day I become inspired and I'm like, "Mm, let me pinch those four lines to put back because I don't plan to do anything with those four lines. It's just that sometimes, especially when like there has been an issue that affects the community or something that's affected everybody, I'll put out a little post and it will start conversation um and then I end up sometimes just delete them like you can on Instagram <laughs> they're gone
1: no, no I will I have a lot of love for small poems and I will keep mentioning this story because I there was a in editing Kayla's manuscript I can't remember which manuscript it was I think it was the first one yeah. there was at least one of her poems that was like two pages long and literally my feedback was you said what you wanted to, in these first three lines, that's the poem. Get rid of the rest of the this rest poem, of mm-hmm. which Kayla was not the happiest with that feedback the first time, <laughs> but that poem did later become like a three, four line poem. And it's like, yeah. you no, know, fair enough, this is what I need to say. And like, I think there was some value in saying I what needs to be said. Like,
0: and I think actually there's something incredibly clever about being able to say so much in such little lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I, I do like... Writing small poems, but again, I'd have to write so many of them to do a book, wouldn't I?
1: To <laughs> do a pamphlet, <laughs> I. <will>. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that note, we are going to move into our Let's Talk About section, where we are going to talk about a fun little topic around the poetry world. I say fun little topic. It's going to probably be community and queerness. So that
0: can be fun. Huge
1: topics. That can be fun. Yes. (laughs) But we'll do Let's Talk About. Now we are moving into our Let's Talk About section. So I guess I'm arguably the overall thing I'm talking about here is community Mm -hmm. in poetry because as you were saying you kind of came into this as part of the community thing and like you had your people you came with but then obviously within poetry itself you find pockets of community and people you are grouped with so I guess to start off then what's your overall feelings on the poetry community if you will?
0: I think the the poetry community is a really positive space I think like with any community, there's problems within that. I think it would be naive of anybody to just talk about the the community as being all, you know, rainbows and butterflies because it's not. There are a lot of problems. Um, there are its own, but, but that happens anywhere, doesn't it? But on the whole, I think there is something really beautiful about the poetry community. It's unlike any community that I've experienced. And for somebody who's part of the LGBTQ plus community, which is a huge community, um, there are still parallels that can be drawn between the two. But I just think diversity and intersection is handled a lot better in poetry spaces than it is, sadly, in queer spaces.
1: Yeah, very good overview of it and I guess now on arguably specifics etc and to not I, that, be, I'm going to make it almost sound like a debate here because I'm not going to talk about the black community because that's my way mm. of view but you also got the queer community like let's call it what it is especially in London a lot of knights feel very queer how is that like what are you as a queer person thoughts on that? I obviously, I think it's often joke mm. that you meet every, and every poet is queer, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. But obviously that's not the case, but mm. what are your feelings of the queer community within poetry?
0: I think, I, I do think that it depends on where you go because like we were speaking about earlier is that you can forget how big the poetry community is There are so many different subsections of the community and people seem to just think that that's it. That is the the poetry scene and it's not. And I think there are places, there are spaces I've been in that do feel less queer and spaces I wouldn't go back to as a queer person. So I think that the spaces that you go to, the spaces that I go to, turn out to just be inherently more queer because that's what we're drawn to rather than it be that there's like this big queer takeover and that i mean i'm all for pushing our homosexual agenda obviously (laughs) but i just think it's you're the sort of company you keep aren't you and you gravitate towards those spaces
1: like i i try and make a point of going to different nights and not just being stuck to the same ones I go to and like there's been a couple without naming nights or mm. just doing very stereotypical general generalising of things there were some nights that for lack of a better description of it are a lot more hip hop inspired people there are MCs and there's nothing inherently wrong with that but I'm aware at nights like that the queerness is not as much of a factor but other nights etc there's yeah. this thing of like you can see that kind of Exactly.
0: And I think that crosses over though, doesn't it? Into hip hop culture generally. Um, And there are those nights that are more like bars for the sake of bars poetry, you know, where people are, it's about the hardest hitting bars. It's the chase and the clicks. It's all of that sort of stuff. And actually there is a space for that. It's just not a space that I feel comfortable in because I couldn't stand in that space and say one of my poems and it be received well. So I I wouldn't feel supported. So I'm not going to put myself in that space. Um, and I mean, do you... Because I think we've, we've pretty much go to the same kind of nights, yeah. right? The same sort of vibe. Yeah. Would you say that you go to those sort of more hip-hoppy nights?
1: Um, not on a regular basis, no. Like, I've been to a couple of them and, like, partly, like... Like I'm saying, a level of check. Let's look at different things. See what else is see out what's there. there. Yeah. And nice to always test my material in different places, and I think what I'm also aware of my poetry is that because a lot of my poetry has comedic elements to it, don't say that transcends everything, but there's level of that can work in a lot of different 100%, spaces. So I agree. There is some level of well, I'm like this might not be my most successful night, but I can still get on the open mic and still get a reaction here mm-hmm. I'm not doing too much controversial not controversial but I'm not doing too much that's gonna yeah. change so like I I find it fine in that sense but at the same time there's also that thing of like with some of those nights and like not to throw hip hop under the bus but like, cause like, there's no. also, there's, like there's also storytelling nights and like a
0: thousand percent. more like
1: that and it's like I'm not a storyteller in that kind of a way I don't fit in there so there's more that level of this is not necessarily my crowd and some of the things you're doing like the bars for bars sake or just some of the storytelling techniques at some of it's just me level of, this is just lost on me. I'm not versed in that world, in so that I'm not getting the enjoyment out of it.
0: Absolutely. And I think, and I don't know if this is something that you experience, because, obviously you know, I can't speak on your experience. But for me, like, I don't pass as a straight person. You wouldn't pass as a white Apparently, person. I don't pass as a straight person either, to be fair. <laughs> That's because you're a nice man (laughs) and it's very difficult to believe that a cis-het man could be such a good ally. Um, But like, yeah, so you could... not It's very obvious when you walk into a room that you're black. Yeah, It's very obvious when I walk into a room that I fit the stereotypical type of what it is to be a gay person. So I get anxious about that because I can't choose whether I come out or not. There are people that can, Whereas I can't. So people talk about like a coming out story as being a singular event, but it's not. You come out to every single person every single time you meet them. And for me, I walk into a room, especially a new room. I don't know how I'm going to be received. I don't know how my poetry is going to be received. And I don't know if that's something that you can relate to. But it is it's scary. So I I do tend to stick with what I know If I've gone to an event and I can see it's a queer friendly space, I don't have unlimited time, you know, and there's so many poetry nights on that finding process, finding shits and scribbles, they're my two, you know, core ones I'll go to because that's still two nights out of a month, right? And I can't, I, I just don't have the time to go to poetry events every night of the yeah. week. So I pick the ones that feel safest for me.
1: Well, like what I was going to go to in terms my feelings on that, but also just in general, that thing of like, obviously you're walking into the room and people are seeing you as queer walking into the room. Like how much do you feel a responsibility to always therefore bring queer poetry and always doing things queer? Like I think my reference being level of I have an up and down relationship with doing like, black poetry and making Mm -hmm. my poetry always black all the time and like obviously both my books are themed around blackness to some extent and like whilst no one is telling me i have to there's feels a bit like a well i'm not going to do a poem poetry book about here's the loves of my life because that book as a black man feels a bit like you're missing something here you haven't written about that thing and obviously i've had no editor no poet no person tell me why have you not done this where the person is but there'll always be that thought of like i need to be doing this because this is my selling point to a degree so like how much is that for you in queerness
0: i think that's a very good question i think that because of the work that i've put out i have kind of molded myself into the type of poet that i am and i enjoy writing about those things um are people going to want to hear especially my audience are they going to want to hear me write about a blade of grass I don't know. And because I don't I'm not somebody that writes every day. I write about things when they come to me. If a poem comes to me, I'll write about it and I'll spend a lot of time on it. So it has to be for me. My writing comes from emotion and the strongest emotions I experience are in the context of my identity and in the context of the identity of the rest of my community. So do I think that I've sort of molded this space for myself? Yes. Do I want to come out of it? I don't think so, you know? Um, But then going into a it's interesting because then going into a space where I don't necessarily feel comfortable in that space as somebody who is obviously queer, I'm going to feel less comfortable to do an obviously queer poem on that stage. And it's them times that I'm like, I wish I'd written about a blade
1: of grass. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Well, I think, I know at least from my perspective, there's some level of like, I will almost always have, like, a black perm that I can do. But it's the thing of, like, in a five-minute slot, that thing of, like, can I do, like, only a black perm and something that's not black. And, like, look, I've got more than just this about me. I think it's definitely yeah. a bit of the vibe I try to go for and have. And, like, mm-hmm. I think that's a level of, like, there will always be blackness that will come up at some point. And I think, I guess, I guess with the queerness as well, a question of how much of it is, like, the poem is about queerness or queerness features in the poem, kind of thing. Like, I've got poems where being black is almost a footnote in it mm-hmm. rather than being about that. So, like, for example, if i actually I'm putting too many words into my love if for example you write about your partner, for example, how much of that is just, for example, writing a love poem about a partner, and how mm. much of that is queerness because. Inherently, yeah. relationship is queer. So, like, I, I guess that side of things.
0: That is, and like, I, I write, I wrote a poem about like dating app, my experience on dating apps, and but queerness is tied into yeah. that because queer issues then come into it. So, anything, and that's the thing is, if we're writing about love, if we're writing about whatever it might be, there's always going to be an element of queerness that comes into that. So. I think I'm always going to write about gay shit.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. I get, well, I get on the going back to the community thing as a general thing, like so with writing about gay shit, obviously you've then got the big queer poetry yes. and sh- night. And like, obviously with that one in particular, there's also the whole thing of the connection to Stonewall Housing and what you're mm-hmm. doing there and the fundraising elements to that as well. Mm. But I guess my question, at least in general, is that thing of, given that there are so many nights on the scene or doing different things, you've also got some nights that are regular nights that specifically are here with an LGBTQ plus event. Mm -hmm. How A, necessary do you think they are? And B, what are your thoughts on them in general? To have
0: LGBTQ plus specific events. Mm -hmm. I think they're important because I think that there are people that experience what, I experience in terms of being anxious about going to new places, Um, for me I'm quite thick-skinned and will put myself in these uncomfortable positions, especially because of the type of poetry that I'm trying to do. But there will be people, you know, like the most wonderful page poets that come along with their notebooks and write the most beautifully intricate things they need a space to be able to do that where they can speak about their queerness and not have all of the feelings that I feel when I walk into a room. Um, I think they're really valuable. And I, I know that people do have certain opinions on it in terms of like, is this creating like a further division? But actually I think it just feels like what a gay bar would feel like, Mm -hmm. you know? And they're obviously very popular and ultimately other people can if people aren't happy with that then they can create their own space that's not that you know so yeah I think they are very important like the big day agenda I miss that because I wasn't well um but non-binary people in particular are are facing erasure in every single aspect of their lives at the moment. And to have a space where there could be so many non-binary people in the same space where they don't have to go through the emotional labour of repeatedly correcting people on their pronouns or having to introduce themselves and be fearful about using they, them pronouns is important. Just a space where you can just be because you know that people are queer, you know that people are, you know... You know that their gender identity is is this or that, and it just takes out the laborious side of that. So I support them wholeheartedly.
1: Nice. And going from there, without putting you as the voice for all of how we deal with all this stuff, you then also got I you got events that are trying their best to be as inclusive as they can do, and like you. I would give way too long a contest before I ask the question because I do that all the time. But like, I think there was definitely a conscious thing with process that we want to try and have a diverse set of features here Mm -hmm. and doing that for as many events. I know there's a lot of events to try and do that. I guess the question, at least first, is level of where do you find that line between open to diversity and tokenism?
0: Mm. I think it feels like tokenism when... It's only for certain months of the year that you want to diversify your lineup, And I think, I, for me, before I agree to feature or headline an event, I look at who they've had featuring in the past. And if it's very clear that I am there as the token gay person, because it is LGBTQ plus history month... I'm like, if it pays me well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because you've got to pay the bills.
0: (laughs) You know what I mean? And actually, we can't shout for visibility and then kick off about tokenism. Because I think it all starts with tokenism at the very beginning, kind of. If you look at the sort of definition of it, it's people saying shit we're not doing enough we have to do enough we need to find a lesbian this is what we're going to do so i think at the start it always feels a little bit like tokenism until you then commit to it long term and i think that's the difference between diversifying something intentionally and tokenism is that you commit to it long term because you can see the value in it you're not just doing it because of the optics in that moment
1: nice because there's a few nights that i know of and at least more slams than open mic nights where they will have sign ups for here were the male slots here were the female slots and here were the gender non-conforming slots and that trying kind to of think of like when that first came in there was a little bit of like okay I, get, I, I appreciate what you're doing here and the fact that they've continued doing it is that thing of like I I like that they are trying to address the thing of because I think part of it came off when they realized like most of the nights they were running had at least one I'm thinking in particular had like we have too many male signups. We need to not have too many male signups because it, up, it comes a male night every single time when you've got mm-hmm. only 12 slots or whatever. And each month it's always 10 men that sign up quickly, fast. How do we change that? So having it, some slots for men, some slots for women, some slots for non-binary people and trying to do that. So I guess thoughts on trying to do something like that and realizing, oh, this night has
0: mm-hmm.
1: unintentionally become overtaken by this mm. certain group of people.
0: I think and I think this is the thing isn't it when you look at any sort of gendered category mm. is I think the reason that gender categories came in was because men were dominating certain spaces. Mm. So I think if you recognize that there is a gender disparity enough to create a women's category then you have to recognise that there is a, another category within that that you yeah. have to introduce, because you've literally just said that in your argument. Yeah. In terms of open mic nights doing that, I'd never heard of that. Well, yeah, so like I've noticed more slams
1: doing okay, open mic slams. nights.
0: I feel strongly about categories anyway, yeah. um, but I suppose if the intention of the night is good. It's well-intentioned. Yeah. This is what they're trying to do. And then individuals want to participate in that by doing the male, female and non-binary yeah. thing. Then they can. I don't think it's something that I would want to actively participate in.
1: But then what is the alternative? Yeah. So what I can do for specifics in terms of naming and shaming on this, let's say, naming shaming is... A couple of years ago, Edinburgh Fringe used to have the BBC Edinburgh Fringe Slam. I don't think they still run it anymore. Right. And in them running it, there was definitely a fair few years where they were overwhelmingly male in terms of the people that were signing up for the slam and Mm. being picked for the slam. And I think the way they did it back in the day, I say back in the day, in my day when I was a young lad, (laughs) um, they would have every single poet that wants to be a part of the slam, put the name in a hat, and they would just pull names out of the hat. And because of how overwhelmingly male that was coming out, they decided to change it to be all males or people that want to identify as male in this hat, or people that want to identify as women in this hat, or people that want to identify as non binary, gender non conforming, or anything otherwise in a separate hat, so that we're going to have a relatively, as best as you can, better spread of it all. Yeah. Because we've seen it's been too male beforehand. Mm-hmm. And without specifically going, you're non-binary come do the Just come do the slam yeah, yeah. how do we kind of and i've do you know what i think it's about intention isn't yeah. it
0: is that is very well intentioned mm. they've seen that there's a problem how do we address this there's i don't think there's anything else that they could do other than mm. that and i think we can complain about things but actually then what's the alternative yeah And I think it's very different to the likes of, you know, gendered award categories where they deliberately omit an entire group of people and then don't do anything about it when they get the feedback. So this slam example that you gave, they're actively trying to do that. And I, I don't think it's very different to like targeted recruitment campaigns, right? Where we're prioritizing applications from women or people from the ethnic majority or whatever it is. So I think it's about intent. It's always intention over, over perfection for me.
1: Nice. And like sticking with the community aspect of it, like with like that we've been talk, talking so much about the poets performing side of things. Mm. Like for you, audience wise, like how much does the audience play a factor into this? Like in mean, so much of it, and we're like talking about like the night itself and, and like poets that are performing, but like hopefully, a lot of crowds have audiences that aren't just poets performing in this. So like does that have a bearing what is that bearing of that in terms of like the queerness side of yes the queerness side of community um i
0: i think i can always tell when i'm performing in front of a queer audience because they get what i'm saying so when i make references to like gold star lesbians for example they know what that means whereas a a cis het audience is not going to know what that means but you do feel sometimes, and this is a conversation I was having with, with one of my friends, is that when you're performing in front of a predominantly queer audience, are you doing like the queer equivalent of like mansplaining? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But actually, and I, cause I did a, um, I performed in Brighton as part of, um, with like Jasmine Gardosi's band.
1: Jasmine Gardosi is incredible.
0: We love them, don't we? They are absolutely incredible and I did my Silence by Section 28 poem in a room full of queer people and it went down beautifully and I was outside having a cigarette and people were like, oh my God, this was my experience but I had never linked it to Section 28 before and we were able to talk about that. But then I've been in non-queer spaces where they've been like, shit we never thought that that was a thing and so I like performing in front of both queer audiences and non-queer audiences but who are receptive <laughs> to being to being educated almost um and I've always always say I want to perform in front of straight audiences because it's typically straight people that are raising gay children <laughs> And they need to know this stuff.
1: I have always enjoyed, especially recently, doing my poem Too Black, Too Fears, in front of white audiences <laughs> who are unsure if they're allowed to laugh or not. Like, I've been in, Are we like, allowed
0: to click? Oh, like, like oh.
1: I think when I did it at Shits and Scribbles, um, it definitely felt like there were some black people in the room that were like, no, we, we get this. And some people in the room were like, I, are, we, are we allowed to. Uh, sh- yes, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, I, for you as a queer person in some of these rooms and you're listening to these poems, like, how much of you is a bit of like no wait, wait for start this over as a better question Tyro. with queer poetry or poetry on queer toppers i should say mm. how in seeing how people address some poems there was definitely for better or worse and i have my own separate opinions on this some poetry that is more about here is queerness in general and here is my experience of queerness mm-hmm. i think they're two separate things ah, thousand percent how do you feel when people kind of are talking about queerness and it doesn't align to what your view on queerness is like Mm -hmm. obviously each person is their own and if they're addressing their own story I'm assuming that's easier to listen to but just in general it's like
0: absolutely I think that we need to understand that there are individual differences within every community and we need to hear those diverse perspectives because it is really dangerous making any single person or single group of people the authority on a certain subject, because everybody experiences queerness in different ways. And I love hearing people's stories. I love what their interpretation of queerness is, what they've experienced, how it could be similar to mine. I love looking at similarities, but also hearing the differences. And I don't mind what, Anybody's experience is is unique to them, and I and I do think that there is a part of every queer poet, and I do you know it could be the same for every black poet, but for every queer poet we're really worried about saying things that are not going to align with the rest of the community. I think really carefully about that. Um, when I did my poem about my House of Cards, which is about like domestic violence us as queer people find it uncomfortable sometimes I think to talk about the negatives that happen within our own community because we have so much shit from everybody else that we don't want to do anything to illegitimize our relationships um, (laughs) anymore right so we quite often don't speak about these really hard-hitting interpersonal sort of relationships between ourselves and the bad stuff that we do to each other. And I'll hear a lot of queer poets and we're all talking about what everybody else does to us. And there's that sense of community and connectedness through that. But I don't think we're very good at talking about our individual experiences, A, because we don't want to be the spokesperson for it, but B,
1: because we don't want to undermine the queer experience. I am always aware whenever I'm writing my poems, I try to a lot of my black poems, I'm very aware. I write through the gaze of here is my experience yeah. of blackness. And I don't try to ever speak for all black people. And I hope that comes across. And like, yeah, I think that's definitely a thousand percent. the way that could the, the, the last question on this and in the community. So no, not yeah. I, I'm aware part of community's gone to just basically queer poetry in general now, but like last thing on this and like are you a big slam person? Have you gone to many poetry slams? <laughs> I've
0: I've been to one poetry slam, which was a poetry slam that I was part of with Kid and Nancy. We were in like the same team. There was like four, so it's like four spoken word nights in London, all brought two uh, poets yeah. along to to represent mm. them. I didn't really know what a slam was to be honest with you, Meredith, bless them. I don't think Meredith knew what to expect either from this. And it was just like, yeah, do you just want to help? I was like, yeah, I'll do it. No problem. So I get there. I'm with Jamal. We're in the same team. We've got Poet RS, uh, Francis, Andy, all of that lot. I'm thinking I'm well out of my depth at this point because I'm not a slam poet that's, I've never done it. See, they're a slam poet.
1: Huh? they slam poet. There is the, what? Slam poet from Quickfire Questions. Oh, from quickfire slam Questions poet? that I didn't even yeah, know. What, yeah, what's a slam poet? Yeah. There?
0: Well, and I did, I thought I never want to take part in any slam and then I ended up winning the slam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I was like, I'm never doing a slam again because it was a, I don't know if this is the same for every slam. I don't really know what the, the format is, but it was like, three rounds, knockout rounds. Is that a slam format?
1: In terms of the format of a slam, a slam by its very definition is simply just a competitive poetry mm. event. What the majority of slams do, as the, con- the most common one on in London at least, if not the UK, is poets perform sometimes just one round, sometimes three rounds, and you'll get audience judging your poems and holding up scores after you done the poem that would be with your score so you'll often get five random audience members to be the judges for the night you'll do your poem and they'll hold up a score out of ten for your poem right best okay. poem wins slash depending on what slam it is mm. there's a couple of rounds so the best scoring poet over the whole night wins. Okay so this was like a knockout round mm. so
0: I think I went was against Andy for the first yeah. round. But basically, it got to the point where we would we, me and Jamal were knocking out everybody, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then it was he and I who were in the same team in the final, and I was like, "But I don't want to win." (laughs) I was like, "I want him to win," and he was the same. And we were all just a bit like, "It was great," and I'm glad that we were both because we were like, "Yes, Speakeasy won." Like it was Speakeasy that we were representing. So, and it was really good because I was. absolutely terrified and I still and Meredith will will tell me I'm wrong (laughs) but I still think I won because they felt a little bit sorry for me now this is not Mm. self-deprecating and I don't I don't So I don't think they felt sorry for me but because I'd never done a slam before I wasn't bounding onto the stage yeah I didn't come up with confidence Mm -hmm. um I think there were some people that came up with quite a level of arrogance and yeah. cockiness.
1: That would probably be me. <laughs> I wasn't at that slam, but that's how I walk on the most stages.
0: Right. And the audience were just lay people, I guess. They weren't and poets. Were they doing the
1: scoring or who was doing the scoring?
0: So, no. So, there was random audience members were chosen yeah. to like send texts
1: do scoring that to do one. the yeah. scoring Pro- that
0: way. And they were non-poets. They were yeah. people that had just literally just rocked up to this place. So they'd seen me and they'd seen my style and they'd sort of seen that I was just there giving it a go, I think. <laughs> and then you had everybody, you know, bounding up onto the stage and that. I just think for a non-poet who's probably quite intimidated, I was maybe an option they resonated with <laughs> a little bit more. And Meredith was like, no, you're a slam poet. I was like, mmm. I don't think I am, and I don't think slams are for me, but I do appreciate a slam. I am not against slams at all. I think a lot of people don't like the idea of competition. They don't like the idea of what's supposed to be subjective, made objective. But there's competition within everything, right? You look at even films you know people are going for best feature for all of this sort of stuff every in the artistic space there is always an element of competition somewhere and i think it's just up to you whether you want to participate in that
1: well i guess just to end this section on the community aspects and with i am very pro competitive very pro. i'm pro competitiveness i enjoy you love a do you love a slam oh, i'm here for a slam um one thing that seems to be a commonality that people say in slams especially ones that are judged by audiences is that there is that line where audiences kind of go on between this is a really good poem and we agree with the poet and that thing of i don't want to say guilt but there is definitely an empathy emotional something there's thing a buy-in where, where some level of if a poet is going up and doing the poem about a very traumatic event or coming out or queerness or something that they really strongly agree with whilst without putting words into audience mouths or anything like that it does feel a little bit of like well i can't give your coming out poem a low score because that's a really personal thing mm-hmm. for you then i guess rather than going on the slam side of it just in general that mix just to end this without being too mean about it, not being mean about it, but that level of where is your line between we love this for the community, we love being here for a part of the community and what you're doing here? That poem is shit, though. <laughs> like, it, where is that line for you? In the, like, I'm assuming some level of it's not like, oh, this, the poem is queer, it's automatically a great poem kind of thing.
0: No. And I just think because, because something's a poem, it doesn't mean it's a great poem. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. I think it depends what you class as a good poem. Yeah, (laughs) because and and this is exactly and this is the thing with slams, isn't it? It's like what are they what are they scoring you on? Um, I think for me, a good poem is not about necessarily about writing. For me, it's not necessarily about form. It's about did you keep my attention the whole time? For me, that's a good poem. Because I cannot focus on anything for too long. You'll see me at process. I'm going to the toilet about four times because I just need to, you know. If somebody stands on stage and I'm listening and I do not tear my eyes away from what they're saying because they're being so raw and, or I can relate or whatever it is, to me, that's a good poem. It doesn't have to be about anything else. So I'd say a bad poem is, is when I... I've lost interest, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's not because it's bad. It's not because it's bad writing. It's not because it's good writing. It's because I just haven't connected with it.
1: Okay. Actually, last, last question. I actually think as I'm thinking, it's probably got that short question in my head now level of at what stage, And I, I know you're still relatively new in the poetry scene and that, but at what stage do you kind of get to the point where like, Oh, here's another cliche in a poem, etc. Like, I feel like again, like we've, queerness like with blackness like anything there were so many cliches that come up and everyone has had that story and told that story again for you listening to these queer poems is there any ever level of like oh it's cliche i'm not quite turning my head off from this but a level of like i've heard this poem before and done better
0: Mm. not in the queer space Mm. in the queer space i'm because i i think people's experiences are so different because of all of the different factors that come into it For me, it's like the poems that get like that for me are the ones about depression, Yeah, you know, which is a very, very very serious thing. Mm -hmm. And, but do I feel that sometimes people have to come on, people feel like they have to come on and write a particularly sad poem because it's going to connect with the audience and this is something to write about. I do think there's an element of that. And I think... Queerness is so varied, and I think depression can be so varied if you're talking about the behaviors that come with it, but if you're just talking about depression in general, depression is depression, right? There's, <laughs> there's a list of well, there is a, there's a list yeah. of symptoms that make it categorized to be depression, so they're all going to be very similar. For me, if I was listening to 14 poems about depression. I would switch off rather than listening to 14 poems about queerness because there's definitely going to be some variety in that.
1: Well, yeah, unfortunately this episode will be coming out after the big queer poetry show, so I can't use this as promo for that, but as will be evident, that show from last year's time whilst all... Because like, there's no strict thing of the poems you're performing here must be queer. No, no, no. But queerness obviously came up in it, and like that thing of it was all good. Yes, there was a similar theme throughout, but... It was so different, wasn't yes. it? You
0: were there, right? There, there was so much diversity in the lineup. And the beautiful thing about the Big Queer Poetry Show is the majority of the audience, I think we, we calculated it as something like 75% of the audience were non-poets. Incredible. Which, and this is why we only, you know, we only want to do it once a year because it has to have that sort of feel to it. And to have 75% of the audience non-poet, and that's an 180 capacity... You know, so that's a lot of I can't do maths out, but <laughs> that's a lot of people yeah. and there was something different for everybody there. And there was a lot of straight people, a lot of allies, and they were able to hear what it's like to live as a queer person. And it doesn't have to be about queer shit all the time, you know, because although it's a part of our identity, it's not for me, my queerness isn't my entire identity. Yeah. And I
1: don't even know what the question was. That's all good. Was that it? Was yeah, that good? It, it works. Oof. And with that, now we're going to move into our last section of the podcast as we go into what I like to call a slow fire questions.
0: Slow fire questions.
1: Basically, in doing quick fire questions, which I do love and enjoy and will either be out on the channel already or some point I don't. I don't know my schedule. I've got. So I've, Taro, I've
0: nobody knows your schedule. It just come when it comes.
1: There'll be a video <laughs> out at some point with Hunter doing quick fire questions. People doing quick fire questions. I love doing them, but some of it's like, oh, I would have loved to ask a follow up etc. And mm-hmm. that is what this section is for. So we're going to okay. pick five numbers at random. We we'll do one at a time. Pick five numbers at random, and we'll just. Talk about them and see how they go. Okay, let's do it. Given the nature of some of these questions, some of these topics might be very dumb. We'll see how it goes. Great. (laughs) So can you give me a number between one and a hundred, please? 36. So then, starting off with the wonderfully dumb one, who'd win in a fight, cavemen or astronauts? Cavemen. Why? Because cavemen know what it's like to struggle.
0: Astronauts are typically wealthy... They <laughs> t- typically don't... They probably haven't had a fight in their life. They could come up with all of these strategies, I guess, but you can strategize something, but how you execute it is slightly different. Cavemen are, like, more brute force. They've had to survive. And I don't really like astronauts. Like, I have this thing... I. <laughs> I think that. I don't don't really like astronauts. I I don't really like astronauts, so I'm not on their side. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Do you not think though? Like, it's just another like example of colonization. It's like, why can you not just leave life on other planets alone? Do you know what I mean? Told you, it's these rich white astronauts.
1: Another number, please. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um,
1: 18. 18. <laughs> I, we already covered this one. How old are you when you started writing poetry? About seven. Like, was that a school thing, or was that just at home on your own kind of vibes?
0: Oh, yeah, not my own time. <laughs> I was at school. Um, I remember doing a like a some sort of creative writing class as you know as creative as it gets when you're that young and i wrote this poem it was about an underwater tiger Mm -hmm. that had jaundice
1: (laughs) sure sure
0: (laughs) and my teacher said i used to love blue peter right and my teacher said oh you should send it in so I did, and I got a blue Peter badge, and it was so cool, and I've still got it, and yeah, that's
1: That's what got me into it. I mean, fair play. And have a number, please? 49?
0: 49.
1: 49, yeah. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Why?
0: Because I read somewhere that if you. If you died...
1: Oh, yeah, your cat wouldn't care Your, your you.
0: dog would, like, cry and, like, sit by your body. Your mm-hmm. cat would, like, eat you. <laughs> and I've always thought about it, like... So not that I would do this, but just to use it as an example.
1: I want to see where we're going, yeah? Okay.
0: If you locked your dog in the boot of your car, when you open the boot, your dog's just going to be happy to see you. If you do the same thing with your cat, it's just going to claw the shit out of you. So... I think dogs love you unconditionally, whereas cats love you if you're feeding them.
1: Do you know what I mean? Fair play. Fair play. We'll do three more of these, so give me another number, please. Uh, Seven. Seven. Favourite poet? Jake Nathan. Why do we love Jake Nathan so much? I'm saying we because I'm including myself in this one. (laughs) (laughs) We love Jake Nathan because...
0: Jake is... Jake writes about stuff that impacts him, but that also doesn't impact him, but that he cares about. You know, he's a working class guy. He's just one of the most softest, beautiful human beings. And he stands on a stage and he doesn't have to jump around. He doesn't have to do any sort of attention-seeking type of behaviour. He will just stand there in one of his awful slogan (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts. (laughs) (laughs) terrible and he knows this this is not new this is nothing I would not say to his face an awful slogan t-shirt just opens his mouth and what he has to say is incredible and I'm hooked on every single word that comes out of that man's mouth I never lose interest I can listen to his poems over and over and over again his Grenfell poem makes me cry every single time and it's just about how he makes me feel like I said, poets for me is not always the words. It's about the feeling that comes away from that. And Jake's that for me.
1: I feel, this is about try to remember my schedule. I think my episode with Kayla was the episode before this. And I said on that one is when well. I'll say it again now. I did a Genesis slam with him in July. Mm. We were like in the final two. I'd done my poem, had a decent score from that. And Jake's going to go up next. And then part of me was like, as long as he doesn't do his Gwenfro poem, I can win this one. <laughs> So naturally, yeah, it's like, for well, fucking hell, fine, <laughs> fine. I, I, it is I, a beautiful I, poem. That's the thing, again, like, it's the thing of like, this is the whole thing of competition as well. The thing of like, I'd like to say, people can correct me, they probably will, that I'm a healthy competitor. I'm okay losing. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I will fucking want to win. Oh, yeah. But if I lose, it's not like, oh my God, I'm going to kick my toys out the pram and any of that kind of stuff. And like, losing someone like Jake as well is the thing of like, yes. yeah, no, you're, you're good. I'm I'm trying to lose to you.
0: It's that one line in that poem, isn't it? It's, they'd rather burn people than money. And I ain't being funny, but that sounds like manslaughter to Mm me. That gets me every single time. And he should have won. I'm sorry, you're great,
1: but like. (laughs) Oh, he won. And and there's a thing like, yep, you know, (laughs) fair. Fair. You can have that. You can have that. uh, Two more, I believe. I've lost count of numbers, but yeah, two more. Uh, um, 99. (laughs)
0: Cool.
1: describing yourself in three words. Compassionate.
0: Stubborn. And dry.
1: In my, like, humour. Fair. And I guess to vaguely make it a topic, like... I guess how do how do you see how do, how do yeah how do your friends see you compared to how do you see you? Is there any like things that people say about you? Do you feel like is that how I come across kind of thing? Um, I,
0: th- I do. You know what? I think they say the same thing. Like, I think I am quite self-aware in terms of. I know I can be stubborn as hell, and I know that's one of my my worst traits. Is that once I've decided on something, I've, and anyway, I'm somebody that hyper fixates on things. Yeah. So once I have that, once I have this thought in my head, it becomes an absolute obsession. And for anybody to convince me otherwise is very difficult. And the people that know me will be the ones that could probably mm. convince me otherwise. So no, I think I'm aware of how people, no. p- people perceive me. Yeah, Nice.
1: Okay. And then last question, please. Look at me number. Mm.
0: 14
1: most you'd spend to watch poetry
0: depends what came with it (laughs) i guess probably about 20 quid (laughs) to watch it yeah yeah
1: to not yeah i always find this an interesting one because the thing of like especially the more i'm going to like music gigs and that's my kind of like treat to myself if i want to see the thing as a thing of like I'm comfortable spe- spending like £50 for this person's gig here, but like these poetry gigs, I'm not. But I also think apart part my head is a level of like, well, this music I'm going to, I'm getting a full on show. There's going to be pyro. There's going to be exactly things that i like. I would love to see a poetry show with Pyro. It would be the weirdest and probably the worst poetry show, but I would pay good money to see how. Yeah,
0: and I think it it, it is about what else is brought to that, isn't it? Because if there's a good venue, there's an opportunity to get decent food, decent drink. You can sit down. Mm. Because I would not pay. I mean, to be honest with you, I like sitting down. I do not like standing room. Yeah. I would be very cross if I paid a tenner to go somewhere where I had to stand because there wasn't enough chairs.
1: Yeah. I feel that. Do you know what I mean? I feel that. Do you like, sit
0: down or stand up in concerts?
1: I I, I have been more and more like, I'm just going to buy a seat here. I'm going to sit. Like, yes, I'm going to be a bit further to the back. I don't care. I can see them. I can hear it. I I'm sit fine. down like, every yes, time. There'll be a couple of songs that I will stand up and sing to because we're doing that. But I'm sitting down. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Oh, I love that. Oh. Yes. No, like, it's things like open mic night. I don't like spending too much on open mic night. That feels... I love open mic nights. I don't want to spend too much money on a night where it's like, I'm going to hate all the poets here. Mm-hmm. And like, not that, and like, not that by nature. <laughs> and like, I, also part of that's level of, the, it doesn't mean like a feature thing, I'm going to guarantee to love all the poets, but the level of like, there was more of an assured quality of like, there's, this is probably going to be a good night. These features, yeah. especially with the ones I go to level of, I know half these features, they are reliable to do a good performance here. 100%. Open mic night, and nothing wrong with that, but some level of like, I wrote this poem on the way here, here's my first poem I've ever wrote, and if you've got five of those in one night, not they, they can be great, but there is some level of, I've spent a tenner on a night where you've just tried out a new piece that you don't know. Mm. And I could have been at home or spent a tenner going cinema or whatever. Something else, yeah. Yeah.
0: And this is it, isn't it? Is that I will spend money to go somewhere if it's clear where the money's going as well. Because if there's somewhere where I know that's getting the venue for free (laughs) and they're charging people a tenner to come in they're charging people the same to go on the open mic as they are for audience tickets, then you're essentially making people pay to perform and they're the ones that are putting on the show for you. Yeah. Like, when does that feel a little bit exploitative? (laughs) And where's that money going? Is that going into your pockets? Like, what's happening here?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely level off. If If I was ever doing, like, a regular night, which was just open mic... At most, it would be pay for venues so I can get a venue covered. Then it'd be things like, do what? how much do I need to pay myself to take pictures at it? and Stuff like that kind of thing. Like, I think one of the things I always forget with nights is, whilst well, not necessarily all the time, but some, I should, I'm doing work here. Yeah. I should probably pay myself for the work I'm doing here. Is 100%. There'll always be that part of things in it as well. But there's definitely a level of like, you're just making money for the sake of making money and it's not the... That's it. And people, it's, it's poetry means it's not making loads of money, No, but, but, but people still, need to be paid equitably. Like, yeah. I absolutely
0: believe that and nobody should be, unless it is for a charity thing yeah. or something else, you know, I don't get paid for the Big Queer Poetry mm-hmm. Show. Neither does anybody else, mm-hmm. you know? So, but I, I I do think there does have to be a cap on, on ticket prices because you're not going to get people in and that's mm. the thing is that... People are worrying, and there's so many nights now in London that if you're charging a tenner for somebody to come to your event, you can bet your bottom dollar there's a night that's literally a tube yeah, stop like,
1: away. If you're charging a tenner, you best be giving me the fucking some some great poets here. Otherwise, what the fuck is the point of the tenner yeah. here? Like, either some great nights or I'm in some fucking nice seats for the whole thing. Like, give me something here. Uh, yeah, a, t- a tenner's a lot, isn't it? <laughs> I think. <sighs> Well, on that note, that is my questions. Normally, things done for this. Thank you for being a wonderful guest. Thank you for having me. Um, doing the cliche thing, you have a camera in front of you. If you want to do find, if you want to be found on socials, let them know where you can be found. If not, you don't have to. <laughs> you can find me at hunterpoetry
0: underscore on Instagram, and that's it. Yeah, Yeah, have I, yeah, I'm not using Twitter or what's, what's it called now
1: X. Uh, oh, Twitter X, all that stuff. No, Ugh. I keep joking that we'll maybe be on threads at some point. We we're not going to be on threads. I can't be asked to do that. I
0: accidentally made a thread and I, I regret it.
1: I mean, I made a thread so like don't check it. Uh, like that no. thing. Like, realize I'm like I was using Twitter a little bit, but it kept on going lower and lower as years went on. And like, well, I already was stopped using like Twitter to post. So why am I going to? Anyway, I can end the podcast properly. So this has been the Process Podcast. Yeah, that's what it's called. I legitimately had a moment where I had to remember what the Process Podcast is actually called. because so I keep sw- I switched it between post Process Poetry Podcast and Process Podcast. Right. So I just had to remind <laughs> myself there. I know what I'm doing here. Professional. But yes, um, on the professionalness, we're on the socials. So, so not on threads, not using Twitter, but there's Facebook. There's Instagram, there's Patreon where you can get stuff early and physically, well, physically, financially support us. That's a word and phrasing of that because <laughs> this gear costs money. I can I I make money, but it helps if you guys help me if you like this and support artists. Yeah, process podcast, that's it. I'm doing this as a look, at the camera, the thumbs up. There's also an audio thing. So if you're hearing this, support us. Do the Do thing. it. I Listen do, to him. Yes. Um, Yeah. Endings. Endings are hard. Bye.